0: What is up, everybody? This is Blake Benz with Good Advice Coaching, and uh, today we are talking about the power of relationships. And this is unfortunately not going to be a podcast on dating, uh, but you know it's it's so interesting because as I, I was I was as I've worked with people in the past. It's, it's funny to me how basic some concepts are, and yet people, for whatever reason, they just cannot grab onto them and they can't understand them, or they know them, but they think they're that that concept is a load of crap, and so they, they don't invest in it until they finally find themselves uh, wildly unsuccessful. And so today, what I'd, I'd like to talk about, I want to share a couple of stories about some things that I've seen be true from a relationship standpoint. And essentially, if you're listening now, uh, if, you, if you aren't familiar with who I am, uh, I just left a consultancy, uh, a firm here in Northwest Arkansas, which by the way, if you've never been here, it's incredible. Uh, if, you, if you come visit, I will buy you a cup of coffee at our local Onyx shop uh, because I am an Onyx snob. Uh, and if you are local to the area and you know what I'm talking about, you are saying retweet right about now. Uh, or if you're a different snob, you, I've made an enemy out of you. But regardless, uh, just so you can know, I I, I don't script any of this. This is totally candid. It's just me talking. Uh, I don't have like a time limit that I'm trying to hit whenever I do these podcasts. I'm just going to talk. And I'm such an extrovert that apparently I thought it would be a great idea to just uh do a podcast where I just talk to myself, I guess, or I guess I talk to the idea of someone listening on the on the other side because I don't know who's listening or where you are or even where you are in life, you know what circumstances you have, but you know sometimes people ask me the question uh which i'm I'm thirty years old and so I'm pretty young, and in fact, when it came to the consultancy that I was working for uh most people my peers were anywhere from ten to twenty to thirty years older than me. And I'd say probably on average about 15 to 20 years older than me, which then you know as I was working with clients, I would be definitely the young guy in the room, right? And so I I come in and maybe I'm working with like an executive team or maybe some senior managers or maybe it's like first time managers. But so you have these people who you know they're at different parts of their life, and this guy who's 30 years old walks in and it's kind of like whoa, okay, you're you're what I kind of expected was this. Um, old dude, I guess, who was retired and was going to give me all of this wisdom, and so I can kind of throw people for a loop. And so, in that, essentially, what I've made a career out of is, uh, I, I, I really just help people. I just give advice. You know, it, it, it actually sounds a lot sexier than it is. Um, you know, I, I, I work with these really great organizations and these great businesses and these great people. But essentially what I'm doing for a living is I'm, I'm just giving encouragement and advice. And so someone comes to me and they have a problem. And, and you know, because I'm, I'm, I've been blessed and fortunate to have some really great training and experience and exposure to different concepts, I usually have an answer that goes on to help them. Uh, but that whole process, it's really not, you know, anything earth shattering. And many times it's, it's what people already know. And so today is no different. And that what I want to talk about is, is the power of relationships. And really, it's not about relationships from a standpoint of um, how many friends can I have or, <laughs> you know, how many Instagram followers do you have? Although I will talk about that in a moment. Uh, it, it's it's and I don't know if you've ever worked with someone. Sometimes when I work with people. And we do a lot in terms of, I say we as if I still worked at my, (laughs) at my firm. What I have done a lot of is how do I help a team of people work really well together? And a classic response I might get sometimes is, hey, I didn't take this job to be friends with anyone. Or more specifically, I had a guy who I was working with him and he said, hey, they didn't hire me to go to everyone's barbecue. And these are pretty fair points right i mean you you definitely uh, especially if you're more introverted you're thinking preach you know definitely but it's it's definitely fair to say that uh you know when you're when you're signing on to a job you aren't necessarily signing on to be bfs with everybody best friends uh you know you're you're inviting them to your wedding you're inviting them to all big family gatherings that that's totally fine i totally get it however What I have seen be true is that the most successful people have these deep and wide relationships. They're connecting with a lot of people, and they're also taking time to really invest in some key relationships. And that's what I want to unpack. And in in fact, uh, what we do, what I used to do at my firm, what I still do today is we do this thing called a 360 and it's called a 360 because a 360 makes a, it makes a circle shape. So I know this is pretty easy so far. Well, so a 360 is a circle, right? Or it's 360 degrees. And what a 360 essentially is, it's like a professional survey that you give to everyone who knows you. So you give it to your boss, you give it to your um, friends, your coworkers, your peers, uh, maybe someone who's not a a coworker but isn't a boss, but just someone who's higher up in the company. You give it to your direct reports. Uh, you even sometimes give it to your wife or husband. and essentially what happens on this survey is they write what they think about you and so they they essentially there' are these there's these 20 different topics, these 20 categories, and each one is a different uh, it's a different facet of who you are. And so one might be like your self-awareness. One might be your composure. One might be your, um, strategic thinking. And so you have all these different categories and what these people are doing is within these subcategories or within these categories, you have these sub questions that essentially, you know, it's stuff like, um, let's, let's talk about composure for example. A question within that category might be, this person can stay calm and level-headed even in intense circumstances. Or this person rarely becomes uh, combative or um, overwhelmed. You know, things like that. And so what your people in this 360 are doing is they're going through and they're marking on a scale from one to five. (laughs) They're essentially saying how, how, not necessarily how good you are at this, but do they see you composed or not composed, right? And then after they've given you these scores, the 360 assessment will actually total up all of your scores, and it'll give you a number for that category. And then at the end, the people will actually go through and they'll write these lengthy responses as to why they gave you the scores they gave you. And so as you can imagine, it can be pretty exhaustive. And I promise you, it's it's a really incredible tool. Uh, some of you listening right now, you're hearing me describe this tool and you're thinking, forget that. I am never, I mean, you know, we, and I'll speak for myself. I I always hope that people really like working with me and that they really like me as a person. And I'm always pretty curious to get that feedback, but there's a part of me that doesn't want it, right? Because there's like this fear of, uh, who have I, not necessarily who have I disappointed, but who have I wronged and who has a really nasty perception of me or who thinks that I'm just in it for myself. You know, we don't always really like to be exposed to those things. And so 360 on a a whole nother level of that. It's a really incredible tool. It gives you a lot of great data. But specifically, it can be kind of intense to get all of that back. And of all of the categories, your people who are rating you, they're also marking which category is most important for success. And there's two categories that I want to share with you that over the last few years of doing these 360s, I've consistently seen two categories show up that are the most important the first one is results? So, can this person gets, get results? And that one's pretty intuitive, right? Because people are thinking about can you actually do the job that you're hired to? Are you able to actually make it happen? The other one, though, is a little bit different it's relationships, and these aren't necessarily opposites, but I, I wouldn't say they're both talked about evenly, right? You know, In fact, I'd say that in some work cultures, whenever you mention relationships, that's where you do get the response of, well, I'm not here to make friends, well, I can't help whose feelings I've hurt, will leave your emotions at the door, um, stuff like that, right? But really, uh, consistently what we've seen is that people, whenever they're thinking about what's most important to them... One is results, and the other one is relationships. And I don't know if you've ever heard the expression of "it's who you know in life," but i've I've really I've really come to find out how true that is. Not just from like a um, like a connection standpoint, but especially when I talk about being a successful entrepreneur. But especially even just if you're working in a nine to five job, how can you be successful as a as a professional? Who day in and day out you're interacting with people. Because you need you do need people. You know, you can't you can't do your job alone, even if you think you can, right? And so I, I thought in talking about this, sometimes I get this question, and what I was originally saying a minute ago was I get this question of how the heck did you get into this big consulting job at such a young age? Because when I started, I guess I was 28 years old. And I was already like wrapped in the thick of it. You know, I'm working with these, these incredible companies. I'm directing, I'm directly advising and directing and facilitating conversation and solutions. And it's almost like, what What in the world, right? Like how, how did I get into this rather than retire after a 30-year career and jump into it? And the simple answer is really just relationships. Uh, the way it happened was, I used to be a teacher. I was a high school teacher, and uh, had some really incredible kids. And then I, I moved. I did a pretty good job as a teacher, and I moved to Arkansas to uh, get married, which was, by the way, a great decision. Uh, I highly recommend it. And so I married my beautiful wife, Joy, and began working here and started looking looking for the dream job. Right, I wanted to find the dream job, find the job that would fulfill me what did I enjoy in life? What did I want to do? Well, so while I was here, I was also engaged in this other, uh, I was volunteering basically for this organization called Young Life, which really mentors uh, mentors young kids. And there was this guy by the name of Caleb who was running the college branch, the college arm of this nonprofit that essentially mentors college students, right? And I don't know what Caleb would say about this story, by the way, but funny enough, when I first met Caleb, I really didn't like him because his approach to impacting people was so different from mine. And maybe that's an, maybe that's an entirely different story in and of itself of, you know, what did it mean for me to kind of get over myself and really see the good in Caleb rather than being annoyed by the things I would do differently. I kind of had to get over my ego and be willing to extend an olive branch and connect with this guy. But so anyway, we we had this once a year. Young Life does this walkathon where all of the all of the volunteers meet at this high school or, or middle school track field, and they walk around the track. And it's it's essentially you're raising money to send kids to summer camp because a lot of these kids, a lot of these kids come from a demographic where they would never ever be able to afford going to summer camp, and so. Essentially, you're trying to raise support so that they can go and have an awesome summer, right? Well, so I uh, most volunteers who are in young life are in college, so they're in their, you know, uh, late teens, early 20s. They're probably, on average, they're 19 to 21 years old, and, and most of all, 19 and 20. So I'm like 28 years old, and I, I feel totally out of place right? It's like when you, it's like when you, you think about back in the day when you were in college or maybe even in high school. And then years later, you got around that same uh, age group and suddenly it's like, wow, I am a loser. Like, especially if you, if you thought you were a cool person before, and then now you're around these people and it's like, man, I am out of touch. I am not as clever or funny as I thought I was. And so I'm at this event, I'm looking around I'm kind of thinking about, you know, who am I going to walk next to, right? Because I don't want to be like a weirdo who walks by himself. Well, I see Caleb and Caleb's actually pretty similar age to me because he had actually, he had come on as a professional to help this, this college arm of the, um, the nonprofit. Well, so I decide to walk alongside Caleb. So we're, we're talking, we're hanging out and Caleb says, Hey, are you looking for a job? And I say, yeah, I am. And he starts telling me about this consulting firm. That's looking to hire someone with an education background and I thought it was a total, you know, I was like, is this like a mom and pop store? What is this? And he was like, no, it's the real deal. And long story short, essentially what they were looking for was they had all this experience. They were looking for someone who had a critical eye towards teaching, curriculum, uh, organization of content, stuff like that. Cause they had, they had, a, they had plenty of experience, right? I mean, they had people who'd done 30 year careers at these awesome, you know, Procter and Gamble, General Mills, these really great places. And they were wanting someone who had been in education and who understood how do people best internalize information and best learn, right? Because, you know, as you know, as you could probably guess, when you do consulting, you're not just collecting a paycheck. You're ideally, you're really wanting to help people change, grow, and develop, right? And so essentially, I came in as sort of this curriculum guy. And I remember like my first days there, I was going through all of the curriculum, making notes, changing things, things like that. And were making suggestions for these these changes that needed to happen. And within about six months, uh, almost everyone got let go <laughs> uh, because they had the founder had passed away, and they had lost a chunk of their funding. And so, almost everyone got let go after about six months, except for myself and a couple other people. And that it rocked my world. Right? I mean, I you take on this job, and we had actually just put a down payment on a house, and so we're thinking you know, what the heck, you know, we had, we had our daughter in the form of our black lab dog named Sadie, who is basically our daughter. And I'm thinking, what am I doing in my life? Right? Well, because I had always been someone internally who really believed in building relationships with one another, uh, it wouldn't be uncommon that I'd come into the office and hang out with people. And, you know, I just always wanted to connect with people. So whenever it came to people being let go and me being kept on, which I was one of the few who got kept on, that played a big role as well as my background in teaching and curriculum. And that's kind of a whole different story in and it of, it of itself. But the way that I got to where I am today, where now that I've advised and coached all of these incredible people, it literally came through this random guy, through some random nonprofit who I was just walking alongside, who we were kind of friends. And he said, hey, I heard this place is hiring. And one thing led to another. And and that really kind of opened my eyes to this whole concept of it it really is who you know in life. It really is the relationships that you form in life. Uh, I'll give you another example, one that was not so positive. Before I got that job, I was working part-time as a grad assistant for the U of A. And I actually went on to be an adjunct with the U of A and there was a position that was open and it was this, essentially it was this position that, uh, its main focus was to work with the, uh, low socioeconomic status. Um, the, the, we, we, the way we define an education is the percentage of free and reduced lunch. And so it was really to, cause ideally the, the sorry, I'm all scatterbrained here, if if there's if people need free and reduced lunch, that's because they can't pay for it on its own. And so if the body of these students, if there's a higher percentage that needs free or reduced lunch, that gives you an indicator of their financial circumstances. So like in Houston, for example, the percent free and reduced lunch was somewhere between 90 and 95%. Uh, in Arkansas, it's actually much lower because in general, really, in, in Northwest Arkansas, it's much lower. Because uh, in Northwest Arkansas schools are, for the most part, there's a lot more money and schools do a lot better job up here. Well, so there was at the U of A there was a position open, and it's in the person in charge of this position, their job was to oversee these education initiatives for these underperforming school districts, so these underperforming schools. So I applied to it. I I thought that I was a total shoe in because my resume had been. Uh, had 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 included spending all of this time at working with these 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 students at these schools, and I was actually pretty shocked when I didn't get the job. And I thought, how, you know, not like in an arrogant way, like it, it had to be me, but I honestly was pretty surprised. And the reason I was more surprised was because the person that they chose had never stepped foot in a classroom before, had never taught uh, a day in their life. And that just seemed really backwards to me, right? I, I thought, why would we have someone leading this initiative, this Ed reform, who's never been in the classroom before? And I remember I went to my one of my uh, professors that I was friends with and was asking him about it, and he said, "Blake, I'll be honest, it really is who you know. She's been working here for several years, and it's kind of her turn, right? And I don't have any, I don't have any bitter feelings about that because. It's it's not that she hasn't gone on to be successful. I actually haven't followed her. I'm sure she has. But it did it it kind of was like a punch to the gut because I was like, it's who you know. You know, what about who's most qualified? And rather than having like a a super negative perception on that, where I I you know, I was like this victim and how dare the U of A, which by the way is an awesome institution. I, it kind of just opened my eyes to how true that statement is and just like how it works practically, right? Because whether you like it or not, the relationships you're forming today, they are opening the pathways for you to go on and be more successful than you currently are being today, right? And so I, here's a really, practical example. Here's a way to think about it. I was working with a, a a nonprofit, five people. It was the it was five women. One was the executive director, so she's the boss. It's kind of like the CEO. She has four employees. And her philosophy is very much I'm not here to make friends. I'm here to make a difference in the community which kind of sounds like they are opposites, (laughs) but she, she thought, you know, when I come into work, I'm not looking to be besties with someone. I'm looking to get the job done. Her four employees though had a very different perspective. You know, when they came in, it was, Hey, how are you? And you know, what's, what's been going on (laughs) very clearly. I have no idea what girls talk about, but (laughs) you know, they would come in and they would talk and they would hang out. And, and this really kind of drove the boss crazy right? Because she's very results driven. She's very focused on making it happen and it kind of gets on her nerves. And so she decides I'm going to lead by example. So, you know, imagine it's Monday morning and people are coming in and they're, they're talking to each other. They're hanging out. How was your weekend? What's been going on? The boss comes in. She says nothing to anyone. She goes into her office, closes the door and gets to work. Now in her mind, she's thinking, I am giving them the perfect example of what needs to happen here. We're not here to make friends. We're here to get the job done. What's interesting about that is that some time went on and this not-for-profit essentially got acquired by another organization and they were thinking about, do we need to keep this staff of five or do we need to change it up a little bit? So they actually went and asked the staff and said, what do you think about the staff here? And what you probably would not be surprised to hear after these conversations, they decided to let the executive director go and hire someone else. The irony of that is that she was probably the person who was getting the most work done. But what was happening was they're talking about culture. They're talking about how things work here. And so they're they're talking to her direct reports. And the direct reports are saying things like, you know, she's really not very warm. I don't know if I really trust her. I don't know if she really has my best interests in mind. You know, it's it's she's clearly a hard worker, but I just don't know if she's the right fit here. And so the boss's lack of atten- in- attention and intention towards relationships is what then led her to not keep her job, basically. That might seem like an extreme example, but it happens all the time, every day, day in and day out with a multitude of businesses. Your avenues in life are directly dictated by the relationships you're forming. It's not because you're trying to play the game, it's not because you're trying to manipulate people. It's, it's like this concept of social proof, right? You, you are wanting to develop a rapport with people so that they know you and trust you and they can vet you and, and frankly, they can speak to your expertise because they understand where you're coming from. You know, think of it, think of it from this perspective. Imagine, and this is, this is who I am, for example, Imagine you're someone who's very candid and very direct and you just say your mind and you just say exactly what needs to happen in an, in an environment where you have relationships with your people and they know who you really are and they know what drives you and motivates you. When you are very direct and candid, their reaction is something like, man, Blake will always say the hard truth. Blake will always say what no one else is willing to say. Man, we really need someone like Blake. Blake will get us focused and directed on what needs to happen. He will make it happen. In a different environment, one where no one knows you, no one really sees you, talks to you, has a relationship with you, you can have the exact same actions and yet the results are totally different. Instead, what people are saying are things like, man, that Blake is such a jerk. Man, Blake is so abrasive. Man, Blake really knows how to tear people down. And then farther along from that, I don't know if we can survive with Blake on our team. Or I would really love to hire someone who has Blake's skill set, but just frankly a better personality. Contrast that with the opposite where people really know you, we couldn't have made it here without Blake. So there's a very real indicator that, or I I should say really a a very real outcome that happens from your relationships. The same thing is true from any kind of sales perspective. Uh, I was talking with a guy who he was saying he wants to be a realtor and we were kind of talking it through and I said, you know, what do you love about realty? you know, what's your plan? And he said, well, right now I'm just, I'm just trying to grow my, grow my market, trying to grow my brand. I'm trying to get some steady income. And I said, okay, awesome. You know, what are you, what are you doing for that? And he said, well, I'm, I'm making flyers and I'm doing some ads on Facebook and, you know, I am, um, you know, just paying for a website and, and these are, these are all things that are, are fine by the way. But I said, okay, uh, well, who, who are you out there meeting? And he goes, oh, well, I'm, I'm kind of an introvert, so I don't really like to go meet people, and uh, which was very interesting because not that you can't be an introvert and be successful, but in the business of realty, there's really not much difference from one realtor to the other. In fact, if you were to ask some random person, what's the difference between this realty group and that one? No one would ever say anything about percentages. No one would ever say anything about commission. None of that would ever be mentioned whatsoever. Instead, what someone would say would be something like, I can trust them. They got the best deal for me. I know the person there, right? And so I, I was even thinking about, we have a guy at, at our, uh, so I, uh, my wife and I, this church we go to on Sundays, we have a guy there whose name is Chris. Chris. And everyone knows him as the real estate guy because he has his own uh, realty group. And so whenever someone needs to sell a house, who they think of is him because he has spent the time, energy, and effort getting to know people, building relationships, what have you. So going back to this guy who was asking me for advice, I said, you know, introvert or not, you need to get out there and start meeting people face-to-face and building trust with them so they know you right? So they know what drives you because that is the, that's the differentiator between you and someone else. And so when you think about being successful in person, you know, obviously you have this sort of results management that you're having to worry about in terms of, do I know how to do my job? Am I doing it well? Am I doing it effectively? On the other hand, you have something called relationship management, And that is understanding what is the nature of your relationships. Am I growing my relationships? It's actually what led me to be very successful as a salesperson when I first started, you know, because I I had no sales background. The one thing I knew I didn't want to be true about me was that I didn't want to be a, I didn't want to be like a used car salesperson, right? Uh, Or it's kind of like, you know, whenever the university calls me for a donation, and they say, you know, would you donate $100 today? And I say, no, sorry, I don't think so. And they go, would you donate $50 today? And it's like, no, that's okay. And they just keep going down because it's like, please give me something. And in the same way, I kind of feel like in sales in general, you know, we have sort of this, this hard sell where we really try to get someone to buy our product. And it's just, it's very insincere. I, I just, I really don't appreciate it at all whatsoever. But what always stuck with me was there was this beat writer for the NBA who's kind of revered as, as being this guy who always has the first scoop on big stories. And so he's the one who broke the scoop on KD leaving uh, the Oklahoma City Thunder and going to Golden State. Um, he, he just has constantly these bombs that come out that no one saw coming. And he's always the first one to break the story. And so people were asking him, what has made you so successful? Because there's plenty of beat writers out there. There's plenty of reporters. Why have you been someone who you seem to have such an insight with so many front offices, with so many GMs, with so many coaches, players, what have, how, what is your secret? And he said, well, these other writers, reporters, what they're doing is they're only calling the GM when they want a story. They're only calling the GM when they want to quote. What I do is when I'm in L- LA or Dallas or, you know, wherever I'm calling the GM and I'm asking, can I take you out to dinner? And I have no, I have no, um, I'm not trying to get to anything. I have no story I need to comment on. He said, 70% of my time is spent on building relationships, So that whenever they do have a story or a scoop or something, they think of me versus someone else because they know me and they trust me. So my approach for sales has always been the same way, right? And so, you know, whenever I would take someone out to lunch or I'd take someone to coffee, nine times out of 10, I was taking someone to lunch when we had no contract in place. There was no statement I needed signed. There was nothing. I just wanted to be their guy. And that led me to being very successful, literally in just my first year of sales, when when no one knew me, I didn't have any experience. I just knew what I didn't want to be, and that was insincere. And what's really stuck with me is I was talking to a guy who uh, did a, had a lengthy career at Procter and Gamble, and he said, "You know, you know what the worst thing someone can say to you at your career or say about you?" And I, you know, had some, kind of some random answers like you know, well, I'm in it for myself, or I'm selfish, or I'm not a team player. And he goes, no, 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 no. Worse things than that. And I said, okay, what's, what's the worst thing? He said, the worst thing someone can say about you is I don't know them. Which, <laughs> you know, the first one sounded a lot worse, right? I mean, what's the big deal if someone doesn't know you? And he said, well, essentially what happens is whenever people are making long-term decisions for the sake of the company, for people they want to partner with, Uh, potential clients of yours, you know, who do they want to hire? They're saying one of three things. This person's effective, this person's ineffective, or I don't know him, or I don't know her. And that last one is such a carnal sin because it's, 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 there's no excuse for it, right? And, and if you're someone who you're, you aren't naturally a very relationship driven person, you know, what I'm not talking about is every day you have a two hour lunch with people, Right. But I do have people that every few weeks, hey, let's grab a cup of coffee. In fact, what's kind of funny from a sales perspective is that some people they don't they're so uh burned by salespeople in general that they don't believe me. And so I'm like, I, I'm not looking to talk about anything other than to grab coffee with you. And they're like, Really? Is that really what we're doing? But in general, the most successful people that I've worked with, that's what they're doing. Right? I was talking to an executive who He was saying something along the lines of after we had gotten done, he said, so you're telling me that, you know, and this was an idea that he came up with, you know, every morning I should spend five minutes just saying hello to my people. And he kind of thought I was messing with them. And I said, uh, yeah, (laughs) why not? Right. Why not spend five minutes if that's, if that's, if, if your cost is five minutes for a result of people trusting you more and knowing your drive more and your motive more Why wouldn't you do it? Why not do it, right? So let's talk practical. What are are some things that you can do today? First of all, you can think about your personality and how you are naturally driving the relationships in your life. The second thing you can do is just be intentional. You know, I feel like we as a culture are very reactive to who's inviting me out, who's asking me to coffee, who's doing what have you. And I think it's important to be the person who's the initiator, you know, who's reaching out, who's contacting people, uh, and really just building the relationships you can, right? Because ideally, it's, it's life is, and this is going to sound kind of silly, but, but life is a long game, right? So I don't, I don't call someone because I need something from them right then and there. I call someone because I want to spend time with them. And six months down the road, it can turn into a relationship that is productive for that person as well as productive for me. It's so funny. I'm, I'm been working on my website and just different things of my business. And there's a guy who just moved here from, uh, Tyler, Texas. And I was like, man, let's hang out. Let's watch some football. I I cut my cable. So what I do now is I just, I just blatantly mooch off other people. And so he told me he had red zone for NFL and I said, Hey man, I'd, I'd love to come by and check it out. And so I went over, we hung out we watched some games and we're just hanging on really that, that was my only motive was this guy's new here. You know, I don't want him to be alone. I don't want him to not have any friends. He, him and his wife had come here and I, I wanted them to be able to connect with people. So we go over, we start hanging out, we start watching the game. And he's asking me, hey, so what do you do? And I said, well, I have this business. And he, he said, you know, what's been the biggest struggle? And I said, really, just advertising and like optimizing my website. And he said, oh, that's funny. I just sold my company where I did that for a living. And he offered to help me work on it and make it better. And that came out of a totally um, just, just through coincidence of, of making a new relationship. And so as you are thinking about your future success, uh, I'm biased in thinking that relationships are number one, but I want to challenge you to spend a few more minutes each day investing in those relationships, investing in people. Crazily enough, I want to challenge you to take someone to coffee, go to lunch with someone where you want nothing in return other than to connect with that person. And if you can do that, I think you'd be surprised for the re- the results and the success you'll see long term. Because really, like I said, the way I got into this really lucrative, incredible business, I never went to business school, I never got an MBA, I never did an internship somewhere that like taught me the ropes about businesses. It literally happened on a random middle school track field of some random nonprofit with some random guy who I walked alongside only because we were the same age. (laughs) That's how crazy it can pan out when it comes to the power of relationships. So get out there, make some new relationships, grow the ones you have today, and make it happen. All right. Thanks for listening, guys. I'll see you.